We've been talking recently about our little by little journey in the way of discipleship. You know, we're all on a journey of apprenticeship to Jesus, of learning his ways for those who are true followers of him. You know, when you become a Christian, uh, there's lots of things that happen in a moment, like in instantly. Uh, when I have faith in Jesus and I accept him into my life, my sins are forgiven. That's uh, in a moment. In a moment, the Holy Spirit uh, takes residence in my heart. In a moment, I become a new person. Uh, the old life is gone. The new life has come. There's, there's lots of things that happen for Christians in a moment. But there's also a multitude of things that happen little by little. It's a journey. Like little by little, I learn the ways of Jesus. Little by little, I learn to read my Bible. I learn to, to follow this, this Christian life journey of being apprentices of Jesus, right? And it's like, you know, when we're, uh, when we go to the airport, I'm not sure if you've experienced this before, but you know, you're lining up in the big zigzag lines of the airport and you're there and you're, and you're waiting and waiting and you look over to your right and you see, you know, the business class express people, you know, and you feel like a, like a, like a, a peasant in your long line and you watch these business class people walk in and just get express lane, express lane. And you're thinking, dang it, that, that, that's not fair. I'm lining up here, right? And isn't that just like us? We want everything in a moment. We want everything right now. We think, no, I want that. But not everything in the kingdom of God is express lane. <laughs> it's little by little. It's a zigzag line. It's, it's learning little by little. Even look at our church plant. I wish our church plant was an express lane journey. Oh man, what I would give. But in truth, it's actually a little by little journey. It's new person by new person, coffee by coffee, meal by meal, trust by trust, prayer by prayer. Amen. And we're all on a little by little journey of discipleship, of growing in our walk with Jesus. So now when I say the word disciple, what does that mean to you? The word disciple, you might picture someone in like robes and <laughs> long hair walking around in the, in the desert, uh, following a, a rabbi. Uh, but what, what do disciples of Jesus look like today? Uh, like, are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you a follower of him or are you just a fan? And we've been talking about what true apprenticeship to Jesus looks like in our life. And last week, uh, we were, have been really hammering home this thought that we, we want to be true followers of him, not just fair weather fans, like depending on when you're watching this online service, tonight, the Penrith Panthers are playing in the grand final, the NRL grand final. Now, I'm a Penrith Panther fan, but in truth, I'm more like a fair weather fan. I've been following more intently the last few years, obviously, because they've been winning and winning and winning. But, you know, when they sink down to normality again, I'll probably be disinterested. And that's what many believers today are like with Jesus. They, they follow him when life is all good. And then when things get a little rough, they, they ditch it. Or even more common is what I call a stormy weather fan of Jesus. And that are the people, those are the people that show up to church, that press into the things of God when life is tough. Oh, I need you, Lord. I, I'm, I'm, press, I'm following you. Things are tough. I'm in a storm right now. And then when things get better, they're nowhere to be seen. They ditch it, right? And we don't want to just be fair weather fans or stormy weather fans of Jesus. We want to be true followers of him, true disciples of him. And we started by sharing from Matthew 16, where Jesus says to his disciples that they must give up their way 
and take up their cross. You know, every disciple must give up something and must take up something. And we and we talked about how taking up your cross is really about submitting your life to Jesus, coming under his authority. And last week we talked about the four T's of a submitted to God life. And that when I am truly following Jesus and submitted to him, and he's the Lord of my life, I will notice it in my time. I will notice it with my tongue, with my words. I will notice it with my treasure, what I do with my money, what I do with the things that are valuable to me. And I'll notice it with my thoughts and my thought life. So if you missed any of our first two parts of this series, make sure you check our podcast because it is foundational to uh, where we're heading in the next couple of weeks. You know, you've really got to catch this thought that my following of Jesus starts with him, with giving my life to him. Where are you at today? Where are you at? Do you, do you, in your following of Jesus, do you give him your time? Do you give him what your words, your tongue? Do you give him your treasure? Do you give him your thoughts? Do you think about him? Come on, these are important, practical questions. You know, the, the Christian life is truly a selfless life. It's denying myself to take on the things of Jesus. And in doing that, we actually find real life. You know, Maria has been um, in Connect Group. She's been asking this question, and she asked me this question the other night. And I just think it, I haven't stopped thinking about it because it's such a profound question. She's been asking all the ladies this question What have you had to give up for Jesus? What have you had to give up for Jesus? Wow, what a profound question. Because if your answer is nothing, which is many of our answers, no, nothing. Well, what kind of convenient, consumeristic Christianity have we been following? Come on. I love the way John the Baptist said it. He, I think he said it best in John 3.30. He said, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Jesus must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. That doesn't mean you're not important. Obviously, that doesn't mean that God doesn't value, but it's about him. That's where we find our value in him. So let's take another step today in our understanding of discipleship and how it works. And I want to talk about how we go about discipling each other and how we as a community of faith come into this. And you you could say that I'm kind of looking at another T in our submitted to God life, and that is our table, who it is that we do life with, who it is that we sit with, who it is that we listen to, who imparts into our life. And look, although we follow Jesus, ultimately, of course, it takes place in a context. Um, and that context is the family of faith, Christian community. People play a huge role in my apprenticeship to Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 says this, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We've been talking about submitting our life to Jesus, coming under his authority and knowing that my life is not my own. And now the scriptures encourage us to submit to one another, to live a life of servanthood and apprenticeship to others. And what does that really look like? What should we be looking for in regard to discipleship with people? Because when people get involved, this is where things can get complicated and tricky, right? The Apostle Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. The New Living Translation says it this way. And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. 
Now we all imitate someone. It's in it. It's innate in us as human beings. We're like sponges. We absorb our influences. Like for me, I'm a guitarist. Uh, if you've been watching our online service, you see me playing guitar, right? And I play guitar. I, 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 Went to university for music, studied, and, and I love playing the guitar. And one of my biggest guitar influences is John Mayer. When I was in high school, he kind of rose to stardom and uh, great, amazing guitar player. I used to listen to him. I still do. Listen to him, watched him, learnt John Mayer songs, learnt licks. And it's no surprise that after a while, I started to play guitar like him a little bit. I started to kick my leg and make stupid faces when I was doing guitar solos. And guess what? It's it's just interesting how, how you absorb your influences, right? But John Mayer actually has an influence too. And that is a guy named Stevie Ray Vaughan. Now I'm getting a little music nerdy here, but Stevie Ray Vaughan is an amazing blues guitarist. Oh my goodness. And it's funny when you watch John Mayer, and then if you watch Stevie Ray Vaughan, John Mayer has a Stevie Ray Vaughan vibe to him and how he moves and how he plays. And I remember I had someone say to me once, and, and this is not a big note myself in any way, but somebody said, oh, you're a guitar player. You play a bit like Stevie Ray Vaughan. What an interesting, and it's a huge compliment, by the way, but it's interesting that I have picked up the traits of my influences influence. Hey, that's interesting, isn't it? Now, so imitation can be a multi-generational thing, as it were, and Paul is saying you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, there are three parties involved in this little verse, this little nugget of wisdom. There's Jesus, who's the ultimate focus, then there's Paul, and then there's people. And for all of us, the goal is Jesus. Paul's goal was Jesus. And that's who we're focusing on here. Paul is saying, imitate the Jesus in me. Our end goal is Jesus in everything. Jesus in my thoughts. Jesus in my time. Jesus in my treasure. Jesus in my words, in my attitude, in, in how I pursue my life's vision. It's Jesus, right? And God uses people to help me get there. This is the point I'm trying to bring forth today. And we're not talking about the, the discipleship of uh, like towards a personality or a program. No, the goal is Jesus. And it's actually one of our core values here is to engage in discipleship. It's like God subcontracts his apprenticeship to himself through people, through people. So let's talk about being discipled by people. And you might say, oh, I don't follow people. I follow Jesus. Uh, you know, it's all about me and him and oh, it's just me and the Lord. You know, climbing up the mountain of prayer, me and the Lord. Listen, this is actually an incomplete picture of what the Christian life really looks like. It's not just about you and Jesus alone. No, it involves others. It involves a family of faith. And I think it's one of the areas that we get out of balance a bit is an over-individualization of our faith. And oh, how convenient it would be if there weren't people involved in my process of discipleship. Oh my goodness, it'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it? But God uses the people around me to help achieve his purposes within me. If he wanted to speak to me directly, audibly, he, he would. Of course he would. He's able to. But God chooses to use the input of others. God often speaks through the voice of others. And the, the journey of discipleship 
with people, it can be difficult because people are imperfect and it takes maturity to decipher and interpret between people and God. And often we avoid the process of people because of our pride and we fail to see the hand of God in the hand of others. It's like if I was to climb Mount Everest and, you know, we're all climbing a mountain of spiritual maturity, of becoming like Jesus. Do you know what you need to climb a mountain? You need a Sherpa. You need somebody who knows how to navigate the mountain, right? Who knows how to lead you there. So let's make use of each other. Let's make use of each other. The people I do life with frame my future. Imagine like a picture frame. If I was that, maybe I need to put a picture frame up on the screen. Wow, fantastic. You know, who is framing your future today? Who could you put in your frame? Who's framing your character? Who's framing your attitude? You know, people help frame my future. So let's work on finding the right people. With that in mind, I want to talk about over this week and next week, the frame that we receive from good discipleship relationships. That could be mentor relationships. That could be a connect group leader or a pastor or even a faith friendship, a friend in the faith, in the community of faith, the church. What is the benefit of engaging in discipleship with other people? Like why bother? What do we find when we pursue discipleship together? And we're going to use the acronym of FRAME, F-R-A-M-E. And as we go over this, uh, this week and next week, I want us to start thinking, what do we find when we pursue discipleship together? What should we be looking for as someone who wants to be discipled, who wants to be an apprentice to Jesus, to the ways of Jesus? Who is framing your future? And we could also use these as gauges to see, are we really engaging in discipleship with others? Are we really sowing in, pressing into the Christian family that God has brought us into? So let's start with the first. In discipleship, we should find, and we do find, fellowship. So our first one, fellowship. Discipleship takes place in proximity. I know fellowship is a bit of a churchy word, but literally it means fellowship, being in the same ship together. But this is a journey that we do together. Jesus was in fellowship with his disciples. They traveled together. They were in proximity. In Acts, we read about the early church. In Acts 2.42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. You know, there was a togetherness in the early church, a togetherness. And if we want to pursue discipleship with others... You have to actually be together at some point. I know this seems quite obvious, but at church, at dinner, for a catch-up, at a connect group meeting, doing life together at some point. It doesn't have to be everything, but it certainly has to be something, right? It doesn't mean we have to start going camping together and holidays together. No, we're talking about fellowship. We're not talking about ghosting or disappearing for months at a time or not replying to texts or just just disappearing. No, no. You can't say you're on a discipleship journey with others in the family of faith without having fellowship with them, without having proximity. I remember when I was in high school, I'd just become a Christian and I literally had zero Christian friends because the whole thing was new to me. And I went to my first ever, I guess you'd call it a connect group. It was a a lunch group. It was actually on Wednesdays. We called it Cal Church on Wednesdays. (laughs) which is very interesting. In a public high school, it was the first place I ever led worship before I even knew what church was about. I led worship in 
cow church on Wednesday. And I remember just being so encouraged by being in fellowship with other people who wanted to follow Jesus. Oh my goodness, where would I be without church on Wednesday? Oh, I can't even imagine. And, I, and I've been so blessed over my Christian journey to be in fellowship with person after person after person, all my, like, who have just been amazing to do life with. And even today in our Everyone Church journey, the, the people that God has brought to do fellowship with, we're so blessed, we're so thankful. You know, you can't do it alone. I know we're online right now. You're at home. You can't follow Jesus alone. You need others. Virtual high five through the camera. Absolutely. And I think it's worth noting that fellowship means you actually have something in common. You're actually in the same ship. And that ship is following Jesus. You know, some people, they want fellowship with the guy that they can just go have beers with. Or fellowship with the person they can go and just gossip and and talk junk with. No, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about following Jesus, discipleship of following him, right? We're we're talking about being together in our pursuit of him. In 1 John 1, 7, it says this, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Fellowship is about living in the light together. Living in the light. There's just something so beautiful about getting together with people who want to follow Jesus. It does good for my soul. Man, it it presses me forward. It frames my future. Not just complaining or, or living out worldly pursuits, but people who want to follow Jesus. Who are you in fellowship with today? Are they helping you follow Jesus or are they hindering you from following Jesus? Be wise who you are in fellowship with because they will inevitably frame your future. So what do we find when we pursue discipleship together? What should we be looking for in discipleship relationships? Well, number one is fellowship. The second benefit we find is R, resource. Resource. Mentors and faith friends are a great place to find Great godly resource, whether that's prayer, book recommendations, Bible verses, advice, help, good discipleship relationships add value to my life. You know, we live in like Google society where everyone just go, I I need resource. I'll just Google it. Man, let me tell you something. There's nothing more enriching than being in fellowship and sharing resource with people, real people, not just computers, not just... AI, no, with people, right? Good people supply you with things that equip you for your journey. And I know I've mentioned this before, but I feel like it's such a, 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 a an underappreciated principle in the scripture. And that is the principle of supplementing your faith, of resourcing your faith. It says in 2 Peter 1, verse 5 to 9, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. It says, supplement your faith, add to it, support it, resource it. We become Christians by faith alone. Absolutely. By faith in Jesus, we are saved. 
But we mature in our apprenticeship to Jesus, in our knowing the ways of Jesus with supplements, with resource, with support, with addition, with knowledge. And much of that comes by way of other people. Other people. Doesn't mean we just use people for resource. No, we are in fellowship with them. But those who are on that discipleship journey with us, they share resource with us. And the resource really is up from themselves. Absolutely. And this is why isolation is so detrimental to following Jesus, because you're robbing yourself of the amazing, valuable resource that other people are. And here's the thing about resource. Most valuable resources are drawn out, but they're not just handed out. Please hear this today. Resource is drawn out. It's not handed out. Sometimes you just have to be hungry and ask the right questions and mine out the resource from good, godly people around you. I love this quote. I don't know who said it, but I've got like a little uh, notes on, on discipleship in my phone. And I had this quote, I probably got it off Instagram or something, but I love it. It says this, discipleship is not about what we pour into someone, but rather what we draw out. Discipleship is not about the superior knowledge I'm gifting to another, but a challenger who draws out someone's best. Wow. Resource. What resource are you drawing out of others? Oh, it's like that, that church person who says, oh, the pastor never calls me. Uh, uh, the amount of people I, I spoke to uh, after COVID, oh, my pastor never called me. Well, you know, you have a phone as well. <laughs> you know, you have the ability to, to call on someone as well. And it, may, it amazes me the resource we can draw out of someone by simply asking, asking for prayer, asking for advice, asking for a catch-up, asking for help. Oh my goodness. And it's often our pride that fails to ask for help. Another great question to ask is why? Roger, my, my three-year-old son, he loves that question. Why? 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 But you would be amazed at the wisdom you can find when you ask a person, why? Why do you do that? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you go to church? Why do you lift your hands in worship? Why? Come on. I know for, for me, I, I was um, early on in our church planning journey. Actually, it happened a, a number of times. I was really just struggling with the adjustment of church planning. It's it's not, you know, we were going through lockdown and it was like, oh my goodness, what are we doing here? And I went to my pastor, my pastor, Pastor Jack Haynes. He's been our pastors, uh, Pastor Jack and Carol, who are going to visit us in a, in a couple weeks, but um, they've been our pastors for over 20 years. And I got a coffee with my pastor and I asked him, I mined out resource and wisdom out of him. And he encouraged me and he, he, sent me forward with, with, with resource to navigate the journey. This is what we're talking about, mining out, bringing out resource. In Acts chapter 8, we read this amazing story about Philip and an Ethiopian man. And Philip was just out one day and he's, he's walking. And let's read what it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 29 to 31. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. This is where the Ethiopian man was. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. Wow. 
What an, this is an amazing story about discipleship. First of all, I love that Philip was being led by the Holy Spirit, which good disciples are led by the Holy Spirit. But I also, I love that this Ethiopian man, he urged him, come and sit with me, come and have fellowship with me, come and sit with me in this carriage and help me understand these scriptures. And the man asked Philip, what is this? He's reading Isaiah and he's saying, what does this mean? And Philip tells him about Jesus. Now that's a great example about what we're talking about today. And what happens later, literally a number of verses later in Acts 8, verse 36 to 38, it says, as they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down to the water and Philip baptized him. Wow. Discipleship is about fellowship, being in the same carriage together. Come on. And resource, drawing out resource. Who is resourcing you today? Who has God put in your life to resource you? What do you ask? Who do you ask for wisdom and advice? Be wise who you get your resource from because they will inevitably frame your future. So what do we find when we pursue discipleship together? What should we be looking for? Well, we find fellowship. We find resource. And I'm going to finish off next week with A, M, and E. And I hope this you find this helpful and it challenges you to step up in your discipleship journey with others, not just with the Lord, of course, but with how the Lord makes use of others around us. And truthfully, each of these are actually reversible as well. Do you want to help make disciples? Well, you start by being in fellowship, just like Philip got in the carriage with the Ethiopian. He, 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 he was led by the Spirit to have fellowship with this man and sharing your resources, sharing your wisdom. Sharing what you have learned about Jesus. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, as I close. The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And I can attest to that truth as I have had fellowship with others and shared my resource with others. The little that I have, <laughs> is it is so refreshing to my life and my faith journey. You know, I've, I've, I've met many Christians who think their faith is stale. Well, do you know how you... Bring your faith alive, freshen up a little bit, start investing in others. Start having fellowship and sharing your resource with others. Amen? Come on, let's pray today. Lord, we come before you in this online service and we just present ourselves to you afresh. And I thank you for the people you have brought into our lives. And Lord, I ask you to help us see with new eyes those who we have fellowship with and those who you have brought to bring amazing godly resource. And Lord, I thank you that you use others to be your hands and feet. You use others to be your voice into our lives. And we welcome it. And I pray that you would help us on this discipleship journey going forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, I hope this was encouraging to you and helpful to you. And we're going to continue this next week. But for now, hey, why don't you have some fellowship with someone this week? Get a coffee with someone. Share some resources. Share a book. Share what you... what you're reading in your Bible and share life with one another. Looking forward to seeing you next week for online church. Bless you.